You're listening to Tabletop Genesis, a podcast by Genesis fans for Genesis fans. Hi there. Welcome back to everyone. This is Mike. This is Tom. And this is Stacy. Hey, Stacy's here. Well, Stacy has always said that whenever we talk about Phil Collins, she is always <laughs> happy to be a part of these conversations. Absolutely. So, so guess who we're talking about today? Phil Collins. That's what? Right. What? We are? <laughs> oh, That's so exciting. <laughs> we are talking about Phil's second solo album, Hello, I Must Be Going, with an installation point at the end. The classic second album from Phil. So maybe I'm giving away how I think about this album already. It's a, <laughs> it's a good one. We are going to be going over this track by track, as is our want on this podcast. And we are glad that you as listeners are on this voyage with us. We're now both of doing them. that. We're acknowledging yes. both of them. Thank, thank you, both of you. So, <laughs> so, Tom, how about you dive into the Wikipedia on this to give everybody a sense of what this album is all about? Excellent. Hello, I Must Be Going is the second solo studio album by English drummer and singer-songwriter Phil Collins. It was released on November 5th, 1982 on Virgin Records in the United Kingdom and on Atlantic Records in North America and named after the Marx Brothers song of the same name. After his band, Genesis took a break in activity in late night. His band? His band? <laughs> Ooh, let's Ooh. go in and edit that. Yes. Right. Took a break in activity in late 1981. Collins started work on a follow-up to his debut solo studio album, Face Value. Hello, I Must Be Going received a more reserved commercial reaction than Face Value. That's an interesting way to put it. <laughs> but it nonetheless reached number two in the UK and number eight in the United States. In total, Collins released eight singles from the album, with various tracks released as singles in different countries. The most successful was the first U.S. and second U.K. single, a cover of You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes, which went to number one in the United Kingdom and number 10 in the United States. Collins supported the album with his 82-83 tour, his first as a solo artist. The album earned Collins a Brit Award nomination for British Male Artist in 1983, and I Don't Care Anymore was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Rock Vocal Performance Male. Sounds good. I would say that that all sounds, except for the, you know, that whole Phil Collins' band Genesis type of thing, which I get in a summary, they're, they're being uh, just a bit casual with how they define yes. these things. So, but yeah, this is good. I, I'm actually curious which two songs were probably never singles. I would guess the West Side probably wasn't a single ever. Yeah, I wonder what the other one was. So anyway, just curious about that. I do have... I believe a UK single of through these walls, which I mm. am fascinated was a single <laughs> yes. song about, you know, somebody be basically listening to people do naughty things through walls, but you know, Hey, everybody enjoys their own. Si every country has their own single. I was going to say yeah. it was a, a different country, a different time. back. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing, Mike. Yeah. I, exactly. <laughs> so, well, I, I do have apartment. I live in an apartment and sometimes these walls are thin and sometimes you hear things through them uh or if you stay in hotels or whatever that might be i don't intentionally like the protagonist of that song but we're probably getting ahead of the game yeah. so yes. so do do you both remember your first exposure to this album i 
don't. And I, I was thinking about that because I, I really don't think I was exposed to Phil, so to say, and until the uh, No Jacket Required era. Sure. I'm sure I heard In the Air Tonight when around that when it, time when it came out, and I'm sure I heard You Can't Hurry Love on the radio. But I don't remember hearing any other songs from this album on the radio. So it was just another person who had a song on the radio. It wasn't like, oh, I need to go get this album or anything. It wasn't until No Jacket Required when I then went back and got the first two albums and made myself more aware of this stuff. Okay. Stacey, how about you? Yeah. Similar story to you, Tom. I became a Phil Collins fan with No Jacket Required. And then I went... I wanted to find more of his stuff. And I believe this was the second album of his I got, or I got at the same time as Face Value. Can't remember. It was a million years ago. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I do remember this quickly becoming more of a favorite than No Jacket Required, even, Mm. you know, back when I was a little, little nerd. (laughs) And um yeah, I, I was just so, I remember being so happy that, you know, this No Jacket Required, I love so much. There was another album by the same artist I love so much. It just blew my mind. Right, um, that this person can do two albums. I that know, that are really are. good. Um, <laughs> right. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, nostalgia and emotion t- for me tied to this album. You know, it's been with me for, like I said, a very, very long time. So I'm really it's really been interesting now to kind of listen to it more objectively as like somebody who has, you know, kind of expanded her musical palette over the years, has listened to so much more music. This album has evolved for me in so many ways, um, mm-hmm. just how long it's been living with me. My uh, comments on each of the songs might be a little all over the place <laughs> given <laughs> that, but uh, yeah, it's still, it still holds up. It's still amazing. It's, yeah, it's a wonderful album. Yeah. My my exposure to this is probably mainly through MTV at the start, hmm. where, you know, You Can't Hurry Love had the video with, multiple, I believe, multiple fills in that, although I can't, I should have watched it again. No, that's correct, yeah. Things, but, but that was played all the time. And there was also, at some point, a live video of I Don't Care Anymore that got played a lot on MTV. And it was probably from one of those, like one of those early live things, or maybe it was just put out. Maybe they just did a recording of it and did it. And I just remember that my memory of it, again, which I did not go back to find this because sometimes memories you just want to let them be and see see what they're see let let the memories exist as they are. But it was that Phil performed this while playing the drums for it too or at least during part of this video, which makes me think maybe it wasn't a true live video. Maybe it was just recorded live, but I don't know for sure. So, but that's, you know, listeners, if you're out there, tell me if I am right or wrong about this. <laughs> oh, uh, I can tell you right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I watched uh, the uh, that video that came out, the Perkins Palace sure, okay. from 1982 was in Pasadena. And it does start with, I don't care anymore. And he is in full suit, jacket tie everything playing the drums along with chester at the beginning but before the lyrics comes in he walks to the front of the stage okay so he, Does is, he goes he is... back to the drums at the end of it 
That's my me, memory. You didn't tell me I, you were going to ask me that. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes, I know. Trying to remember these things. So, and again, I didn't look it up myself at all, so I can't. I can't blame you, Tom, for not. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, well, that's off right. The hook. That's right. So my memory is that that he ends it on the drums too. But again, eh, you know, my it's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna swear in court that that's correct. But but either way, those two songs were were all over the place. And it wasn't until I bought this CD, probably late in high school, early in college, that I was like, oh, like everything on here is good. Yes. But I also don't know if I feel like this uh, this quickly became quickly over the course of a couple of years, probably my favorite Phil Collins album. But I think that it's. It's one of those ones that now, Stacey, as you were saying, listening to it mm. now, I'm like, oh, the the lyrics of this are really good. Each each song is kind of a story, and there's a real thing to thing. I'm being very specific. There's a real <laughs> specificity to the lyrics with this. Mm-hmm. But it's also <laughs> a lot of, like, and I think this might be love songs in general, I was thinking a number of these songs, these kind of more romantic-y, ballady Phil songs that are on here that I re- still really like, if you were to arrange them differently, could be really dark. And, you know, that's... Yeah. And I'm wondering if that's kind of a love song thing in general that's kind of a neediness or a, oh, this guy's bad, why are you with him and not with me, that sound kind of whiny at times, or kind of like an every breath you take type of thing where it's like... You know, like, why can't this wait till morning? Like, oh, I don't want to talk about this right now. Yeah. Like, there, that can be, that could be done as a metal angry song if you wanted it to be. And so, there's, there's yeah. a fine line between love and stalking. Yes, sometimes. exactly. Yeah. So, exactly. So, <laughs> so here's, here's a, Annette, so it's going back to what I was saying, like, how this album has evolved for me. Right. Now, I see this as this this album is what a divorce sounds like. Mm, for sure, right? <laughs> now, yes. I I have been through a divorce, mm-hmm. so I feel like I can speak from experience. And it's right. the sadness, the happiness, the anger, yep. the ups and downs, the manic emotional roller coaster you go on when you're going through a relationship ending, and maybe a new one beginning, whether that's with another person or like with yourself and mm-hmm. just life in general this album really covers all that ground and it's comes through in each of the songs you were saying mike like each song is like a a, like a epic story and Mm -hmm. unto themselves it's really i think his most this showcases the diversity of his talent yes more than any but to that point i also think that He's still trying to find his sound in this one. Like another lead yeah. singer of Genesis, we might, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've discussed before. Right. You know, it's the second album. He's still experimenting and it's to our benefit because mm-hmm. this whole range that he has or he's trying to, he's experimenting with is, it just still stands up. It's still, yeah. still Phil, but you could tell like he's still, he's trying to find his way here. Yeah. I think I, I've, maybe said it both on the face value and the no chapter required episodes where I still think this album is the kind of a perfect balance of pop fill and weird fill. And, you know, there's, there's that diversity of songs. I actually think the songwriting on this is better than on face value. And it's a more consistent album than face value is. And it just, it does work for me. And I think that the, 
no check required, which I like the, the lyrics on there are a little more lyrics for lyrics sake. Like there's not necessarily stories to all of those songs mm-hmm. and there's not as clear, not as a kind of straight through of a narrative to Susudio, for example, a song, right. which I really like, but yeah. is not really about anything. Whereas all these songs with lyrics actually are about something. And I really like that. It works for me on a level that, you know, even with my kind of, you know, critiques that I'll have of some of these lyrics that I still, at the end of the day, really love this album. And that's what Mm -hmm. it comes down to. So I can't break up with this album. It's so good. So (laughs) Tom, how about your overall thoughts with this? So when, so if, do you remember when, if you didn't hear it back in the day when you bought it, so when what what was that time frame when you got this album? Do you remember that? Probably eighty five, eighty six, okay, around that time. Around that no time required. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. but it is one of those where yeah, every song is a good song. Like mm-hmm. for me, there aren't any skippers on this song on this album. Like it's start to finish, mm-hmm. and there's songs like oh yeah, I remember the, you know, like I think was it. You, Stacy, who were saying like you, you know everything on here by heart, you might yeah. not know the order, but when it comes up, you're like, "Oh yeah, this song rocks." Next, yeah, oh yeah, this song's song awesome. Yep. Oh yeah, this song's awesome. Mm-hmm. So it's just like start to finish, just a great album. And I don't know if you've watched this show, uh, Louder Milk. It's not on anymore, but it was on Amazon Prime. It's about uh, stars Ron Livingston from mm-hmm. Office Space, sure. and he plays a, a rock critic. And I just remember a line he said: "You know, anyone can write." a good album he goes can you follow it up mm-hmm. with your sophomore effort he goes that's the true mark that you are a good artist if you can you know mm-hmm. as I said anyone can write a good album but if you follow it up with another good album and i think this is what he did mm-hmm. the first album was an accident album <laughs> it was just stuff that he was just you know trying to get down on record and he wasn't sure it was actually going to be released whereas this one he actually had to say Oh shit! You know, I I got mm-hmm. I got to write another album, and I got to you know start from scratch. I mean, I'm sure he had bits and pieces around, but it was like the first time he had to like sit down, and he's also still going through the divorce. So it just all comes through on on the vinyl. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. So with that, we will actually jump into the first track of this. The the very angry. I don't care anymore.
have to paraphrase Elf. Ooh, he's an angry Phil. <laughs> <laughs> this is obviously a statement, a very obvious statement. There's no hidden meanings in the song. It's it's right out there on a sleeve, a killer opening to an album. And this is Phil Raw going through shit. There was a quote from him. I'm not sure when it was, but he said, if my first album was I'm divorced and I'm miserable, my next one was I'm going to kick this fucker to bits. <laughs> so like the face value was like, I'm sad. There's trouble in a relationship. It's broken up. I tried, whatever. Now he's like dealing with lawyers and the hate mm-hmm. and, and trauma, you know, two kids that he's trying to see and go through all this. And it just, wow, I don't care anymore. Just everything about that song says the drums he's just kicking ass on those drums and like Mm -hmm. it's relentless it's the same beat for however many minutes the song is Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just fantastic opening yeah yeah i i feel the same way where it's like this is kind of like phil's intruder where you know he just probably Mm -hmm. sat at the drums Mm -hmm. for 20 minutes doing this riff over and over again and then built a song around it and it's a great example of phil the arranger because even though it is this kind of relentless drum pattern through it there's a build throughout the five minutes or however long this song is that really hits like the drums start echoing at about a minute and a half into it. And then, you know, the guitar comes in kind of snakily at some point, Phil gets very shouty at about, I <laughs> noted down at like three twenty one yes. is when I noticed the time change. it's like oh phil is now elevating this song singing in tune while shouting which i don't think is an easy thing to do and it just kind of then kind of trails off into this end that is a very definitive ending which i really kind of enjoy enjoy in a if i need to get some emotions out this is a great song (laughs) yeah i mean the drums are absolutely the song right Right. i mean that's it's iconic it is it is the engine and for me i love this i love the chords in this song Mm. and i love the chord sequence Mm. i love that key change i don't know exactly where it is in the song it's towards the second half where it goes into like now i don't care what you say oh my god it slays me still (laughs) um and the sound of those keyboards are great you know i just they're so moody yeah, I mean, that's that's an overall comment I can make throughout the album. Like the I mean, just in jet, like the the arrangements and the sequencing of this album is mm-hmm. phenomenal. And I I just really like the the chord work and the piano um, mm-hmm. so much more in this album than even face value. Yeah. This um, is a good this is song is a good driving around at night in the rain song. You know, oh. I think that's where where it just feels like mm-hmm. one of those type of tracks where it's like you're alone in a car. You might be kind of venting about something. And, and if this song came on the radio, it'd be the perfect soundtrack to that moment. It's just something where it fits, you know, a lot of different moods. But that's just something I think about, like, oh, this would be a good driving in the rain song mm. at night. It's definitive because, uh, as we mentioned earlier, some songs 
they might sound good, but the lyrics are a little, oh, there's something else going on here. But this is, no, it's, it's straightforward. The music matches yep. the lyrics and the sentiment mm-hmm. perfectly. Yep. And I think a lot of people have used this song to get them through mm-hmm. some tough times and dealing with uh, life's whatever it throws at you that you might not want or relationships that are falling apart. So it's, he can really tune into feelings and, and expressing those. As, as he's mm-hmm. even said, he's better doing it through music than through writing or, or writing letters or speaking to people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this track is just, I can see why a lot of people put it out as their favorite track. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I won't spoil the poll yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, th- I'm sure this is one. A lot of angry listeners out there. Somewhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's a great song, you know, it's, yeah. it's something that, you know, is a good kickoff to the album because I don't think that anything else on this album gets as clearly angry as this song does. But there is, as you said, Stacy, talking about kind of the the divorce part of it, it mm-hmm. and everything, where there's definitely a thread of anger that goes through this album, which is not always apparent because, as we've said, both with Phil and Genesis, they're both very good at hiding some darker material within yeah. happier arrangements. And it's something that I really enjoy about both acts uh, careers and i think that it's it's something that when you can enjoy it on one level but then if you really listen to it and kind of get into the lyrics you're like oh this is this is angrier or stranger than i thought mm-hmm. whereas this track it is upfront about its anger <laughs> it is upfront about the mood that you should be feeling about this so uh, with that I, I don't think we have no more to say about this no more no more no more no more no more no more although wait you guys i know you know i can't not say how much i love that space between i don't care anymore and i cannot believe it oh yes isn't that incredible yes another great space between tracks well and also because of well actually I will wait for this and we will actually segue into the next track on this album. I cannot believe it's true. Stacy was just saying the space between the tracks, I don't care anymore. And I cannot believe it. It's true is a great kind of pause in the music. And then 
when the drums come in and this track starts up, which is incredibly different in feel to I Don't Care Anymore. It's also that statement that we've talked about with other Genesis or solo albums where it's kind of the artist saying to the listener, you're not going to get just one thing from this album. You're going to get at least two things from this album. <laughs> and if you can extrapolate from that, you'll probably get many different moods from this album. And this track, I cannot believe it's true, is really one that is something that kind of hides the darker piece of it within a happier arrangement. Yeah, it's um, and I, I I'm going to live in that silence between there, much like you, much like the gaps in no. the track there. So no, I mean, well, what I what I love about this track, and again, this is more of like recently, you know, a recent observation, is the top line. So I remember when I was younger and listening to this album. I mean, I don't care anymore. Just so dramatic and so raw and powerful. And then I would get to, I cannot believe it's true. And I'm like, eh, it's another, it's a pop song, you know? But now like listening to it, I'm like, this top line, this melody, like the arrangement <laughs> is amazing. Like it doesn't sound 80s to me. I think, and I think I could say that throughout this whole album. Yes. Like, right. I mean, it I know it's still 82, but this, the whole sound of this album is timeless, but especially mm. this song, it's so unique. The instrumentation, I, you know, he's pulling from all different styles. I feel like in genres of music into this, you can hear the kind of the Motown. He has definitely a musical theater vibe going in this mm -hmm. album, which I, I can articulate more in certain on certain other tracks. But and then, of course, you know, the pop, you know, that 70s kind of swing. He just kind of mixes it up and it works. It all comes together in this track. This this was the earworm for me when oh, I okay. listened to this album and, and prep yeah. for this. If there was one song that I was humming in my head over and over after I was done listening to this album, it was this song. And to the point where I'm like, stop it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it just kept on, not really in a bad way. Like, there were songs that I don't want to have stuck in my head, but this was fine. It's just got a killer sax solo. It's short. Mm, for right. some reason, that sax, the, the, the notes, it goes, da, 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 da. Like, it's just, I, I just love that solo. It, it, it really works in that context of the song. I noted it too, where I was like, oh, sax solo. And which is very kind of 70s and 80s. I know, it's not your favorite, like, Mike. <laughs> but, it, but it does work in this song. I also will kind of admit that I often cross in my head this song and it don't matter to me. Like they both yeah, have that similar that. vibe to that. it and the horns being there. Not in a bad way, but sometimes it's like, oh, which one is this? Oh yeah, this is that one. But this one... Again, the, the title, I Cannot Believe It's True, he's talking about a breakup and he's talking about, oh, I can't believe that this is happening to me is another is another kind mm -hmm. of alternate title for this song. And the lyrics for this, again, I just really enjoyed this. But when I jotted down was, you know, they're listening but not hearing me. And mm. there's just a couple things like that that are thrown into this. I also think that could be a message about Phil's solo career in general, that there are he people are hearing things, but not really listening. listening to the content of it. I will take that double meaning to the grave with me, but it's <laughs> something that really does, you know, work. This is a track that, again, as a second track on the album, I think it's fantastic. And it also introduces a bit more of the band on this album, too, because the first track was just 
Phil and Daryl. And there's a lot of stuff that Phil does on this album yeah. without other people. But this gets, I think, John Gib- Giblin up on the bass. It gets the horns in there. There's so much that Phil does on this album. You know, even on I Don't Care Anymore, there was no actual bass guitar on that. It was just all Phil playing bass pedals. And, hmm. you know, Daryl just kind of throwing in the guitar at this point. And, and I really liked that Phil is able to do so much on, the, on his own solo album. Yeah, it's great. I mean, <laughs> he's no longer just the drummer. Yeah, exactly. You know? um, and, and I don't know, how much did he play outside of, uh, obviously, drums and some keys and face value? Like, is he doing more of the I think there was more real on bass one? on there. I think there was more, okay. the songs had more bass on that with yeah. probably, a, um, and I'm blanking on his name, I can't believe it, uh, the bass player who he always tours with. Um Lillian Sklar. Yeah, Lee Sklar. Yep, yep. So the um, oh, okay. my brain was, you know, just not working on this morning. So you don't necessarily think of it not being a band on I Don't Care Anymore. It doesn't feel like it's one guy and a guitarist, uh, one guy yeah. playing everything else and then a guitarist coming in. It feels very organic with that. And I think that's actually a really positive thing about this album. One thing I noticed on this kind of series of listens I did to prepare for this was the backing vocals, all this kind of ahs and oohs and everything mm-hmm. about this track. I was like, it sounds really good. And it just was, you know, one of those songs I just want to wrap myself up in and take a nap <laughs> in, I think, because it's just so comfortable to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've gushed about this track enough. Just a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. So, And so the next one is, I think, of no metaphor that I should say other than it's like China. Oh, I know. Mike. I... <laughs> <laughs>
song. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I thought it was weird when I was eight, and I think Mm. it's weird now when I'm (laughs) years old. Uh This is this always sounded to me. It still does. Like, feels like I want to write a musical. Uh. <laughs> so here's here's what I was saying earlier about the musical. This sounds okay. like it could be part of some like theater production to me. Okay. The South London accent he's affecting, mm. and just it, I, I guess the the lyrical content itself, it it, it feels like a fifties musical to me. But it's it's okay. I I gotta say it's probably my least favorite on okay. the album. Do you find it a little bit grating, or is it? No, more? it's just it's just too much of one thing. Like the, <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. It never really grabbed me. It's certainly unique. Like there's nothing <laughs> out there in his catalog or I think any other artist catalog that sounds like this. So kudos to the originality that went into this. Kind of thinking about what I love about Phil Collins music. This doesn't really factor into it. This okay. to me is uh, not akin to me and Virgil, <laughs> but it's it's kind of on that path okay. <laughs> where he's playing a character and exactly. I'm like, just be you, baby. You're so mm. wonderful. <laughs> That's what I was trying to be somebody else. Right. The other is it's him wearing his heart on, heart on his sleeve, whether it's angry or yeah. maudlin or sad. This is him stepping into like his robbery, assault and battery character Uh where like i'm gonna pretend to be this person so you can enjoy the song but it's not like he's speaking directly to you about what he's thinking and not that that's bad but i think i've really liked the song when i first started listening to this album Mm -hmm. but going back over it years later like you said stacy i think it's probably one of my least favorites on the album not that i think it's bad you know this album is full of great stuff something has to be like Mm -hmm. not in the top I had that early 80s new wave sound in parts, and it's the most oddest sounding guitar solo <laughs> I've ever heard. I don't well, think he's yeah. ever done anything yeah. with this with but that yeah, sound. Darryl's, I wrote, yeah, I wrote down in my notes. It's the best part of the song. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't say it was bad. It's just is the oddest. Yeah, yeah like, I mm. love it. I mean, yeah. you know how I feel about Daryl's guitar sound on Phil Collins' albums in the 80s, but <laughs> you know, I I I really like the solo at the end. I love the instrumental bit at the end. I think that's just. I actually yeah, I cool. I noted I noted weird solo from Daryl at the four minute mark, <laughs> and and in my head I thought I bet Stacy will like this solo because it's not mm-hmm. a buzz saw like uh, exactly whatever, whatever well, song yeah. it was on that helps uh, it no Janet required it that it, helps it, it it's much less grating, mm-hmm. but yeah it's, Tom you're right it is it's a weird solo in the middle of this track in the or towards the end of this track mm-hmm. really so I I like this song. But this is the track that I always think is on face value. It's like it's it's mm. the song that when really? it pops up on this album, I'm always like, oh, yeah, this is on this song. Like, I I don't know if I get it confused weirdly with I Missed Again, where I always kind of think maybe that's a later song, but that's on the first album. And this one, I just think I always go back to it in my head where I'm like, oh, this is on. If I take a couple years off from this album. And then if somebody says, what album is Light Shine on? I'd be like, oh, first album? You know, that's just my head. And also listening to this, like it starts out with the guitar riff and you think, oh, this is a pretty guitar heavy song. And it's based around this riff. And as, as, as I was listening to the song this time, I was like, oh, this really feels like that this song is based around the drums. 
like the drums really have this heaviness to them and there's a lot more stuff on it than I don't care anymore, but it's really like, Oh, the riff fits in with these, the guitar riff fits in with these drums. And I almost wonder what came first, whether it was again, Phil bashing away on the drums and kind of like, Oh, maybe I, I hear this riff and guitar riff in my head that goes along with this, but it, it just feels kind of interesting to me that i wonder what came first with this so those those opening strums by mm-hmm. daryl uh which oddly enough we did get a question from carl brody mm-hmm. uh asking how's daryl gonna fare on this one stacy <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean the reputation your reputation of daryl's guitar work is is <sighs> precedes you uh well i think this track is is done better justice live because mm-hmm. it's on the perkins palace and that strum, which Daryl does, you know, at least a couple different times in the song on the studio version, the last time it's repeated a third time live with horns doing that same oh, melody, right. and that kicks ass. So I think this is one where on the album it's fine, but live it really comes to life. Mm-hmm. So if, yeah. if there's a positive thing that we can say about this is watch it live. It's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to have to revisit that. I had a bootleg copy of that <laughs> Pasadena show on cassette years and years and years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I could find it online somewhere. I really like Phil's vocal on this. And it is like, it is almost a whole musical in one song. Like yeah. this is one of yeah. those things you can break it out probably into like 10 different, you know, vignettes that you could then turn into something. And, and I just really, I, I like it. It It is not, it's probably middle of the pack for me on, on this album. It's not mm-hmm. in the top range, but it's not at the bottom of the album either. It's kind of that middle range. You know, I like this song. As I listened to it on this go round, I think I found more about it to like. It was just one of those tracks that, you know, kind of jumped out at me. That weird solo at the end was, you know, a bit of a surprise. Like I had always heard it. But again, listening to it for this mm. recording, I was like, ooh, that's that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> and it was fun. You know, I, I I took this song as as the little bit of fun that Phil is having, putting on that role, kind of not having to sing about his own divorce and his own his own troubles, but maybe creating something more as you know, oh, let's talk about this guy who really wants to get it with get it on with this girl, but it's all the challenges that are in front of him about it. You know, it's a bit more of a early stage relationship thing where it's like he just wants to know if the girl feels the same way as he does. Yeah, it's a very <laughs> Motown theme that he's channeling here, yeah. you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but yeah, that's something that is a, another strong influence in this album. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, we'll kind of have to figure out, you know, both, you know, about this album. Do you know and do you care? <laughs> oh, I love it. So.
this song is a sibling or a cousin to I Don't Care Anymore, maybe even a response to it. It just has that, you know, not as intricate a drum feel, a pattern to it. But the drums are just so integral to this song. And this just sounds epic to me. This sounds big and huge and is just kind of atmospheric with a capital A. I consider this one a a, a twin or a sister to uh, In the Air Tonight. Oh, okay. More so than I don't care anymore. But I see the... Mm-hmm. The similarities. Yeah. But yeah, I always thought this was his In the Air Tonight Part 2. Okay. I Just, always thought when when comparing this to other songs, yeah. this was <laughs> like an early version of like a pre- predecessor to, I'm trying to find the song now, Long, Long Way to Go. I don't mm. know why I... I Attach those two songs, but just the mood and the feeling with somewhere he would take this in that direction on the next album. There's a demo of this on the, the reissue that came out, you know, when he did the redo of the covers, what is that? 2016. I I can't think of the year. Yeah. Probably around then. Yeah. But the demo of this sounds very Tony Banksy (laughs) from the keyboard synth sounds to the atmosphere. Hmm. Uh, It's such a heavy track. And for anyone who says, Oh, Phil Collins is sappy love songs. Listen Mm -hmm. to this track. I mean, this one is, it's epic. Like you said, Stacey, it's, yeah. it's a very, it's the most prog sounding maybe mm-hmm. track on the album. Yeah. It's more angry Phil. Yes. <laughs> angry Phil. The, the lyrics read like an argument to me. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, I haven't broken it down kind of line by line, but it really sounds like a, whether it's verse to verse or line to line, kind of like a back and forth argument or an argument maybe in your head about something. It's again, has that darkness to it that I really like that suffuses this album, but there's only these couple tracks where it's pretty obvious about it. And yes, and there's a little bit of trumpet that Phil was obsessed with for a while pretending <laughs> to play that's on this track too, that gives it that little little sound. And there's a couple little things on this album, like there's not sound effects on this album, but there's some weird, like, I don't know if it's guitar, whether, like, I forget if it's on I Don't Care Anymore or something where it's just... There's certain instruments that are used just very quickly as almost like a little sound effect drop into things. During the third verse, mm-hmm. there's like some background keyboard mm. sounds or maybe it's guitar, yeah. which yeah. I think add to it. Like yeah. he's, he's layering on you know, more and more as the song goes on. And maybe that's something that you were thinking about, like those yeah. little flourishes that yeah. you're not sure what instrument it is, but it's, it's adding to the sound. Yeah. And that piano that's in this song specifically, kind of in the second or third verse, where it kind of tinkles away in the background and just adds that layer of... And I'm just... Adds that little tinkle. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's another rain song, too, driving around in the dark. So yes, it's like we all have to pee now. So, but it's... But yeah, again, this is... When I talk about weird fill and pop fill, it's like, this is definitely the weird fill The weird fill, yeah. And and, and again, he's not like playing like, you know, Captain Beefheart or Mr. Bundle or something like <laughs> that weirdness. But it's it's like it's still accessible weird. But I like that aspect of Phil that well, kind of yeah. disappeared, you know. Yeah. So. I mean, this is one track that isn't as rhythm based as some of the others. So it, it kind of gives it room to be weird yeah. and more atmospheric. I think he really... You know, now you said this, Tom, I think he really was channeling Tony Banks, Steve Hackett, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, pastiches into this this track here. And, it, and again, another one 
where the the lyrics just fit the music so well. Mm. Yeah. They just really go together. Yeah. This is one where I kind of wish that there was a 5.1 mix of this just to really open it up yeah. even more, make it sound, you know, even huger than it than it is already. The bass pedals in this really kind of, mm. you know, give that kind of bottom end oomph that I think we love about a lot of these, you know, Genesis and uh, Phil Collins tracks. And yeah, I can I can gush about this song for a long time. So I one of if it's not the last instance where he says, "Do you know? Do you care?" Mm-hmm. But it's towards the end when his voice just goes up really high on yeah. care. Mm, yeah. I'm like, "Whoa!" <laughs> do you care? I'm like what? I'm like, "There's no way he could." do that now but uh, that's <laughs> yeah. just like i think he stepped it, on a lego or something these type of tracks are what you know maybe there can be a, a shorter compilation of of genesis and phil collins tracks that just have this mood to them you know mama's in this mood also in a different yeah. way this kind of you know mike darker, you need to make a mixtape yes. you know mixtape. or a playlist somewhere yeah. so you know this can be you know, we do. Is there money in that? Can we do this? So yes, we, I think you own all the. No one owns the rights to these songs. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly. I, so. I actually, public domain. I, I, I actually was. I I bought them for three hundred and some million dollars. So yeah. I just. Uh, You're the one. I'm I'm the investor with this. So I have all the time in the day in the world for this track, you know, and for this album in general. But it's just like this is one that for me. Early on, this became one of my favorites on this track. I, and I don't think it's ever been played live. It may be mm. such a studio creation yeah. with kind of the the atmosphere of it that maybe would be a little bit more difficult to create or carry over live. But anyway, I love it. Good stuff. Cool. And again, with a big mood change here, <laughs> we're going from do you know, do you care to y- you can't hurry love. great triumph in phil collins sequencing like that you know going from this super moody brooding song to this upbeat motown cover like on paper it sounds ridiculous but it absolutely works or maybe i've just listened to it so many times it's like this is the way it should be it's nice Um, when an album surprises you yeah absolutely you don't if you if you go in listening and if you're not kind of following along with the with the back of the album or something like that and you don't really know what's coming up after a song like do you know do you care you then go oh what's going to come next something else dark and brooding or a happier song or yeah. something else i mean else? this is this is an album you cannot shuffle you have to listen to yeah. it in this order absolutely <laughs> yep. yeah but yeah you can't hurry love this song was played i think i remember here like this came out i was really i was like 5 years old <laughs> um so i don't have any like memories of it as it was you know came out live but i know like even throughout my childhood and even now, like I, I sh- 
it's on the radio. Oh yeah. It is con like it. And it's funny um, when I was younger and I would tell people, Oh, I like Phil Collins. If they didn't know Susudio or anything, no jacket required, they knew this track. Oh, he did. Mm -hmm. You can't hurry love. So yeah. he, uh, this was huge in the U S. Do you think this is better than the original? Do you think it is one of these songs that obviously uh, there was a tough. first version, mm -hmm. but people know this song, at least from our generation and later, like this is, you know, Phil does the track the way it should be done. I mean, I'm sorry, Phil, I love your voice, but you're no Diana Ross. So um, I think they equally stand up on their own. Yeah. They both like bring something unique. I have to say, though, I knew this version before. Oh, yeah. Same. Screams version. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, it, well, again, because this was the, uh, with the, at the, the time it's played on the yeah. radio so much more. Right. I, I was just Still. surprised. Yeah. yeah I, just that. Stacy, I could certainly see you being a little bit younger than Tom and I, that 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 would be the case. I'm, I was surprised, Tom, that you jumped in as quickly saying, oh, yeah, I knew th this version first. Like, maybe it was just mm -hmm. maybe it was just my dad listening to WCBS in New York, the oldie <laughs> station that I yeah. heard this a bit more, heard the original a bit more often. But I was mm -hmm. definitely aware of uh, the Supremes version of this. Mm -hmm. So and but I've also I don't think I've ever kind of listened to the original and then this one back to back to really kind of a B them to compare like, Oh, like in my head, this is a carbon copy of the original in a good way. But if I listened to them back to back, I'd probably see tons of differences in these tracks, yeah. you know, maybe I mean, not definitely made it bigger. Phil oh, made yeah. it bigger. Yes. He always, you know, that's his yeah. thing. And that's what we love about him. So but yeah, it feels, the, but it feels but like the, the tempo's about the same. Like yeah. the, it's the, it's the arrangements very faithful. Yeah. Um, which is great. And that's, yeah. and that's something that even, I mean, Phil ended up doing an entire album of very accurate yeah. covers of Motown and kind of mm -hmm. 60s ish type of songs, which is also great. And this is, you know, his first real, I think he even wanted to be more accurate on going back versus yeah. this track and everything. And so there was a bit more Liberty with this, which is fine. You know, it's a cover, you know, you should, you're allowed to play around with these things and, and pay homage in your own way. This is obviously, he even says like Motown, we salute you in the, in the liner notes mm -hmm. of this and everything. And again, this is a bit more of a band, you know, there is somebody else playing piano on this, uh, Peter okay. Robinson, John Giblin on the bass, Daryl back on the guitars. So Phil does credit himself with tambourine on this also, Ooh. which is, you know, again, in that, stretch in those, for him. well, exactly. Well, in those <laughs> Motown tracks, it is, Oh also, yeah, that's a, it's an important part of those the sound of that. And Phil as an arranger, you know, kind of gets mm -hmm. that. He knows yeah. kind of how it has to be. The song itself is great too, you know. This is mm -hmm. Phil's voice fits this song really well. Yeah. And I just, you know. But again, this is just another piece of this crazy soup or yes. puzzle <laughs> that he is put together in this album. You know, again, kind of taking a step back from as I'm looking at the cover now. Yeah. It kind of sticks out, but then mm -hmm. it also, it works. <laughs> yeah. Do you think this album needed a cover version on it? He did Tomorrow Never Knows on the first one. And so, and this is the last time on a main album that he does a cover version of something. He's, I don't so, think. Testify, I, he does. Oh, right, can't right. Stop There's Loving can't, You. Right. Yeah. But that's also I, a lesser known song too. This right. is, you know. Really? We, we did get some comments compared to the original. Sure. 
I yeah. think. Oh, but, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sorry. Yeah. We, we did get some comments from listeners who thought that maybe this, since it was such an oddball song mm-hmm. compared to the rest of the album, maybe it didn't fit in. Kind of like it was the follow you, follow me that yeah. on, and then there were three where like everything else kind of fits this mood and this pattern. And then you have this different altogether sounding song thrown know. into the mix. So, I mean, I... I, I'm just playing devil's advocate yeah. for this song. I can uh, hear that, but I kind of, I think it does fit in. You know, I think it's, it fits, it fits in because this album is all over the place in certain yeah. ways. As as much as we said it's more consistent than face value, there's still a range of material on here that gives it space to have this cover version on it. And honestly, I can't say after listening to this album a lot over 40 years, like if it sticks out, it is, it, it's part right. of it, you know, like yeah. it's, it's hard to, to be totally objective in this way, but I think this song was, ap- and Tomorrow Never Knows, were intentional. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a case of, I don't have enough material. I no. mean, maybe that is. <laughs> but I think that Phil really wanted to get across, I'm my own person. I have my own influences. Right. I am in Genesis, but I'm still my own artist. And this was a kind of a way for him to communicate that. Everybody, I mean, up until 82, you think about his output between Genesis and Brand X. You kind of don't think he's a big Motown fan, like, or that no. that might surprise you. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna throw this on here so people know really what where my roots are. Yeah, and maybe I'll get asked about it, and I might get projects related to this type of music <laughs> that I like. So I absolutely see this as intentional when he, you know, adding this to the album. Yeah, Excellent. it's a good closer for side one. Yes, right. absolutely. Yeah. And so now I think we will jump into our viewer mail segment. Is that correct, Tom? That is correct. I love how we still call this viewer mail. I know it's uh, nobody watches. <laughs> we we have never done video for this thing, but it's why it's, why isn't it listener? Mail? It, it should it, be. But I have I'm, it on my paper as listener mail, but I just love saying viewer mail yeah. better. And it's, it's from also, the Dave Letterman days. Yeah, it's uh, Dave Letterman did viewer mail all the time, and it's just that's how this sticks in my head of you know okay. viewer mail. So, all right, well we'll get started. First one, it's not really album related, but it's from Mike Towie or Towie. Sorry, I if I'm butchering your name, but he just wants us uh, to give him a shout out as he's probably our only underwater listener. He's he got a, pair- a scuba enthusiast. <laughs> he got a pair of underwater headphones for Christmas and he's oh. been listening to all our shows swimming with my snorkel. I go swimming. It's the best. Oh, so- <laughs> nice. Blub, blub, blub. Hello, Mike Towie. Hopefully you're enjoying a good swim as you listen to this. Yeah. Jay Spencer uh, now back to the album. Jay Spencer says, this was the first Genesis-related album I fell in love with. Do you know? Do you care? And I don't care anymore. Got me through my teens when every perceived slight is a cause for high emotion. Yep. 37 years later, the entire album is something I treasure with. Why can't it wait till morning becoming much more moving to me now that I'm older and hopefully wiser? All that being said, like China gets my vote. All Interesting. Right. The yeah. song is just plain fun and particularly fun to belt out in the shower. I can see that. I, I think you need a pair of underwater headphones. <laughs> yeah, I think if, right. if you're singing I'm sensing in the shower. a theme among <laughs> That's right. the, the viewer mail. Bill, 
no last name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the West Side remains one of my all-time favorites mm-hmm. of Phil's tracks. I've always admired his skill first as a drummer, both with Genesis and Brand X. The West Side is a perfect example of his superb drumming ability. I remember the bass drum stabs vibrating my gut the first time I heard it live, and it's been a favorite ever since. I can't wait till we get to that track. Yeah. Now, on a more personal note, John Mozina says, I don't care anymore. I remember the first time hearing the song when I literally did not care anymore and mm-hmm. helped me get through that part of my life. Yep. To which Matt Caney responded, for me, it was a divorce I did not want. Mm-hmm. Became the theme for me for that period. So I get what you mean. So yeah. it's, Phil does have a way of mm-hmm. encapsulating the feelings that you're going through and putting them out there. So, yeah. Uh, Mick Snowden said, what a fantastic second album. Different styles and tempos. I don't care anymore. It's just so powerful. Music and vocal performance with Don't Let Him Steal Your Heart Away, a very close second. B-side has to go to And So to F. Just so upbeat and the extended intro you can find on YouTube. It should have made it onto the record itself. Perfect. Although I think that was it was already on a Brand X yeah, album. I uh, yeah, it is. It's a yeah. Brand, yeah, it's brand yeah. X. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the last comment fundamentally hello i must be going doesn't tick many boxes for me even though i know there are some songs that are huge for fans but there are no real standout memories of writing it or even recording it what did it do for my art and heart not much i got the second album blues that was from a phil c in england (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny that that artists kind of perception of their own work yeah that you know that was from his uh not dead yet memoir. Yeah. Oh, it's like, but yet it's like the the three of us here are saying like how great this is and how much it does kind of, you know, stick with us and everything. But, you know, again, for him, it was, it was another album, you know, it's like going and, through probably a rough time in his life. Yeah. So he's just getting his feelings down on paper and probably wanted to move on because yeah. I think at the time that either he was writing this recording it or getting it out there, that was one part of his life when he was about to start entering a new period when he was dating um, Jill. I think around this time he was starting to date right. Jill. So it was like, does he want to be focusing on this bad time in his life when something good is about to happen? And obviously the sound is very different from No Jacket Required when there's a lot of happier songs because mm-hmm. he's happy in real life. But right. anyway. So there were some tweets out there. Yeah, some some tweets here. Uh, Susie Hayden on Twitter says, "I love every song on that album. I'd have to pick out something a little more obscure. I'd I'd go with Why Can't It Wait Till Morning, and if I'm allowed to, it don't matter to me. And then she adds on, I cannot believe it's true. So I wonder which one she ended up voting <laughs> for. You know, there's because uh, there are all good choices there. Michael Shore actually asked if we should do ranked choice voting on the polls uh, so that we can, you know kind of do certain things let people vote for more than one but i think as stacy said you know you got to make a choice that's you the whole point commit. of voting here gotta commit gotta commit, commit, commit. So. <laughs> AJ, aj said um so many good memories from this year seeing genesis three nights at the greek theater in berkeley in august then seeing phil in december and peter two nights later plus this album and so that would have been that kind of latter part of 82 would have been a yeah. good time to be a genesis fan frazzle basil says uh just listen to the full album as a refresher, and it's a seven-way tie. Better listen again. 
uh, Jim Eltringham just says, until it drops, the podcast, that is, I guess the rest of us will just have to keep on waiting, anticipating. So bringing in some of the <laughs> non For that talked voice. Exactly. Talk to me at <laughs> night. I think that's, if I missed your tweet about this, I'm sorry about that. It does not uh, mean that we didn't see it. So it is just kind of one of those things that, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there. So, so yeah, again, we got a lot of, a lot of listener emails uh sorry comments on the website facebook yeah. i think it just showed that this album really resonates with people yeah. i always yeah i always thought this was like the genesis fans favorite mm. bill album mm. like this is a a song you know how like a lot of artists say oh this is a songwriter's album mm. or it is i think because it just varies in style and it is such a solid arrangement. there's so many solid arrangements on this on this album I think a lot of this is just like a what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of like the underdog or, yeah. you know, it's the one that doesn't it's, get the attention as maybe no jacket required. Right. right. Um, or it um, wasn't first like face value. First so val- it like it, it's kind of not forgotten, but it, it's always. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he did that. But when you get when you rediscover it. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, yeah, this is it's like up the there. sleeper album that sleeper, just kind that's of like, what I was thinking yeah. of. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe that Phil C in the viewer mail should uh, revisit this album. I think he <laughs> should. Of, yeah. I think he should give it another spin. Oh, sorry, I meant to protect his anonymity. It's P. Collins. P. Collins. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yes. Uh, so Phil C or P. Collins, who are these people who are writing into the uh, I don't know about this? Cool. Well, and now that we've flipped over the album and we're ready to start side two, we'll jump into It Don't Matter to Me. it should be it doesn't matter to me <laughs> but i am not going to correct mr p collins about this no so, um i really like this track it's it's epic sounding in you know four little over four minutes it's just that the horn start of this again kind of kicking into gear for, for side two mm-hmm. it just sounds so happy and also mm. on later live versions, like especially I have some I didn't see the tour, but in the I think it was the both sides tour it and maybe even the dance into the light tour. 
it just the arrangement of this, it was almost like something this said wait after something else. And it just felt so epic going into yeah. that. And it feels even in this four minutes, it feels very epic. Although after about two and a half minutes, the lyrics are just repeating that don't matter to me. <laughs> it's like, it does get a bit repetitive. Did, I didn't realize until this listen that the song itself is actually pretty short. And then it just goes on to, it don't matter to me for the last minute and a half, two minutes of the song. So I don't care. He could be yeah. singing the phone book. Oh yeah. Like, it's I great. love this track. <laughs> yes, like yeah. I love this. This is a repeated kick in the lady balls in a good, <laughs> in a good, good way. Right. Cause so much energy. I love the horns. I mean, it's almost yeah. like the, the sound is incredible. It's almost like he has gated horns, like it's so staccato <laughs> sure. and so like crisp. I put great spitfire horns. Yes, That's how I, absolutely. I thought of them. I, this was definitely a favorite when I was younger. I mean, I couldn't wait to get the side too, just mm. so I could hear this song. <laughs> um, I love it. I mean, just like all the upbeat songs on this album are his best upbeat tracks. Yeah. By far. And this is probably at the top of the list. It's just still fun and and to listen to after all these years. It still sounds fresh. Like I said, it doesn't sound 80s or 70s or of a time. <laughs> um, it's just a fun pop song. I love that key change uh, yeah. towards mm -hmm. the end where you were saying, Mike, he just keeps yeah. saying the same yeah. thing over and over. <laughs> but, it, but it keeps elevating the song doing that. Yeah. So it's great. Yeah. You know, and that was that was less of a critique and more just of a realization on my part mm -hmm. that like, oh, this oh, song sure, is, yeah. is actually pretty short, you know, and, mm -hmm. and but it carries you along and it just has that like sometimes I think of instrumentals as, you know, live bait you're kind of doing these things as doing these songs because you know the crowd will get into this or you know mm -hmm. steve hackett talked about that with certain things like slogans and stuff that you know he knew that those tracks would be you know live instrumentals things that people would latch on onto los endos is like that and this song almost to me is almost like designed to be live and yes. that it's just has yeah. that energy. And you know that it probably in the latter part of the set, this song is going to get people up and it's going to oh, give it the energy. Oh, it gets me up in my living room. Like <laughs> I, I still have to dance to it. Yeah. So, <laughs> video at 11. It. So that will no be our video. next YouTube. So <laughs> it struck me this time, I think actually analyzing it, how he's trying to say he doesn't care anymore. He doesn't, yes. it don't matter to him. But then he says, there's no way that you can run because I'm going to find you and there's nobody that you can turn to because I'll be behind you just to remind you that I don't care anymore. Right. <laughs> it's like, I think you do care because right, you want to make it known. It's yeah. like having a breakup and and calling that person every day saying, I'm, I'm, think I'm not thinking about you anymore. Yeah. And I'm just calling trying to tell you day. that I'm not thinking about I, you. Yeah. I'm still not thinking about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's, again, kind of the darkness that's hidden in some of these very up-sounding songs yeah. where I'm like, oh, yeah, this is still a guy who's processing things and is not kind of at on the other side of not yet. dealing yeah. with yeah. these things. And maybe getting there, maybe a little bit closer than, you know, the anger, anger of the first album in certain ways. But this is still, you know, like you said, Tom, earlier, this is a guy processing. It's still in the weeds with this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and even the romantic love songs are a little bit like that, too. So, but I, I love mean, it. This is it's just a tad stalkerish for all we know. He's probably, you know, listening through the, these walls <laughs> to hear this, his ex-girlfriend. That's 
Tom, are you working on segways that should be my job oh. here? So this is. Uh, <laughs> so actually, with that, we will segue into me listening to Tom through these walls. Ew. So I talked about weird Phil and pop Phil. This is creepy <laughs> Phil. Creepy Phil. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's creepy Phil, but still incorporating the in the air tonight drum break into this song, weirdly enough. Or again, drummers out there could probably say, well, it's not actually the same Phil type of thing, but it sounds like it's Phil close from- enough. <laughs> I mean, the when you first hear the song, it's like, oh, this guy's really lonely. Yeah. You know, he's hearing yes. life go on around him. Yeah. And you kind of feel sad for him. It's kind of like a man on the corner vibe. Yeah, yeah. And then, then he picks up a glass and there's a couple <laughs> next door. Oh, and then you see the video and you're like, mm. okay, creepy. It's a, right, it sounds <laughs> I'm trying innocent. to give you the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> but... <laughs> it sounds innocent. And then you hear that yeah. little I don't, not a train dun, whistle, dun, but it's like dun, that. It's that dun. little. Yeah, and yeah. then it becomes very <laughs> intruder esque. Behind yeah. you, sing, sing, dun, dun. <laughs> so this was yeah. This was very I think, more Phil, about the Burgermeister sounding right there too. Because yeah. so. Phil played on Intruder. Yes, and I think this yeah. was kind of his. Yep. I'm yeah. gonna get that same feel of being a loner not, who yeah. is yeah. But Phil's perspective <laughs> on that same idea. It's it's this is probably. Definitely in the in the lower part of the album for me, I I kind of appreciate the creepiness of it that it's not hiding its creepiness <laughs> compared to some of the other songs. Oh, it's it's laid out there. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty it is. <laughs> but I but it is also one of those songs that until you really listen to the lyrics, you you just start to think like, oh, this song is all over the place. There's a lot of mm. little bits with this. Yes, kind of like how me and Sarah Jane doesn't repeat itself this does repeat itself a bit but it still feels like this could have been 
a one for the vine 10 minute long song with these pieces stretched out but phil kind of consolidated it down did you just compare through these walls with one one for for the vine structurally (laughs) i did so let's or like a maze sarah jane like you said like there's different like there's the intro word that's innocent then there's the time with the air in the air tonight drum fill and then there's another part later which sounds very like four tops or something where it's like just reach out and touch somebody like that seems very motowny to me Mm -hmm. that that area i love the full stops i think he does he does those heavier full stops in the live version yeah which is just great because it just gives like a second to like no no sound and then he comes back in with with singing it's so great uh talk about creepy and on the perkins palace he's wearing a robe (laughs) singing the song (laughs) and he had something in his stuffed into his front robe pocket i'm like are those tissues like what is that Mm. and towards the end of the song he reaches it up i think it's a nighty like a woman's night oh really okay yeah all right now you're going full-on creep here oh my god well that's like and then he's and then you know i repressed that memory tom you just brought it right back up (laughs) you're welcome well that's Uh, and as i'm listening to this song i'm like are we supposed to feel like i think initially we're supposed to be like oh this guy's lonely he's dealing with stuff a little mm -hmm. bit of sympathy for him and then like you said stacy it's like you realize like, oh, this guy is actively being creepy. Yes. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, the sympathy kind of goes away, but then <laughs> you still at the end of it, you, you feel it, it. There's a weird conflicted aspect of this where it's like, you certainly aren't, you aren't on this guy's side, but I think that Phil's trying to be trying to show like, even these weird people have feelings, <laughs> which uh... I don't know if that's what he's trying to say, but it's like, the song, but because it's actually like, and I don't need the song to condemn this person. I think it is like just showing what the mindset of this person is. Yeah, well, I mean, when he's, get to- he's he's embedding he he's being a character like yes, yeah, in right, the song yes. like China, like uh, that song on Vase Value that now I'm blanking on, which is horrible. The roof is leaking. Yes, um, right. you know he's he's that's not you saying that song is horrible. Roof no, no, is no. leaking. No, she no. That, just that she couldn't remember it. I couldn't it remember horrible. it. And that, the fact I couldn't remember it is horrible. No, that's a brilliant because didn't you? Yeah, right, yeah. I just wanted to clear it up. No, 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 fair enough. He's trying, and, and I think that's why, you know, you see the video, which again, mm. I'm trying still to repress. <laughs> um, and the Perkins palette, you know, the, the live performance with the robe. Like, he's trying to say, this isn't me. I'm playing a character. Right. Mm. Which is fine, but the character... Is, is super disturbing, creepy, <laughs> right? Especially when you get to the end of the song. And again, one thing I just, after hearing the song forever, and and but actually really paying attention to it, at the end when he's doing the, oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like, oh yeah. All right, what is he doing right. now? Yeah, they were, they're very sensual, very. <laughs> Like he's doing something naughty mm. in those oh yeahs at right. the end. They're almost like a yeah. oh yeah. This okay. this is truly a solo song. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so how about those drums? So we should go with uh, hand how about in the hand? drums? In yeah. Song? Well, that's a, but uh, it is curious to me that he he decided to use that very obvious in the air tonight reference in this song. Like, was it something that I think he, I, I read somewhere that he regretted that it was so close like he didn't right. mean to like if there was one oh, yeah. regret he had is it was making it to 
similar. And maybe I was, and this is not anywhere near true, but Chester never gets to play the In the Air Tonight drum fill live. So this was his, all right, Chester, you play this live. I'll give you a chance. I'll write a song and I'll throw it in for you. And that's totally not true, but that's that's the way I think of it. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that this song... I'm still amazed that any country released this as a single, and, and I know, I mean, <laughs> and that there this was, was the a first, video for it. This was the first single released in the UK from this album. I know the and UK. Are you has, kidding me? No, it went all the way. Taste there, but it went all the way to number fifty-six. <laughs> <laughs> it was not released in the US as a single, right? No, uh, but I think it, it was a. It was tough for him when the song that he wrote was released and went to number 56, a song that he covered went What's much it? higher. Right. So I think that's had to be a little bit of a confidence breaker for him, where it's like, mm. well, well, am I just doing covers now that get released as yeah. hits? And But whatever record company it's at decided that this would be the first single oh, off yeah. of, you know, this album in the UK. Somebody lost a bet or there was, <laughs> yeah. there was drugs involved. Right. Like, I, okay. That seems to be strange <laughs> to me because, again, there's there's much more obvious, even if you're going to release this as the second or third single, uh, you know, as the first one, there's different. I, I would put the West Side out as a single before this, and that has no real vocals to it. So, yeah. Anyway, well, from the creepiness of Through These Walls to the slightly stalkerish, don't let them steal your heart away. This song hits me. Mm. This is this is the track on the album where it's very reminiscent of "Please Don't Ask" oh, for yes. me. Yes, Just he is like laying it all bare, and, and you know we said that before that he was wearing his heart on his sleeve for other tracks, but this is just a pleading song. Mm-hmm. Even though he knows it's pointless, that he's going to get his wife back or his former you know love back. I don't know if this is, you know, a song about the painter. Wasn't there a painter involved? Yeah. Yep. And maybe this is the he that's in the song. Mm. Um, you need to watch the documentary. 
the Genesis Reels documentary again yes. <laughs> to be reminded of, yes. of what went down. Yes. <laughs> they spent a long time on, on mm. that. <laughs> and it's just one of his best love songs. Yeah. Even though it's not about like being in love, but it's about love and it's about the, the loss, the, the, the feeling the, of the loss trappings and pain. of love yeah. and seeing a former person with someone else and just trying to come to terms with it and still thinking there's a chance, but knowing in your heart there's not it that it's done. The book yeah. is closed. This is I, I was slightly kidding about the stalkerish aspect of things, but but it is is also I was being maybe a little provocative with that, but this is this is the track for me that you can do a different arrangement of this song and make it sound very creepy and very needy in a in an inappropriate way. Whereas this is, as you were saying, Tom, like I get all the feels for this too about that sadness. We've all been there. We can all kind of, you know, think about those relationships of like, oh, why is this person with somebody else and everything and. But there's also an aspect of it where I'm just like, you're talking about like that you don't want her to be with this other guy. It's like, but you're not saying anything about how good you are. <laughs> it's just like, don't let this asshole steal your heart away. It felt a little bit kind of like I should be I'm telling you to not have feelings for this guy versus please come back to me type of thing. So it's, it was a little bit kind of like, maybe again, that's my viewpoint in 2023 versus 1982 <laughs> about relationships and everything. But, you know, so I'm, I'm not condemning this song because again, I really like this song and I get where it's coming from, but I'm just like, oh, it's, it just feels a little needy to me, which well, you, you know, that's part of this whole yeah. divorce breakup cycle. Yeah. You go through, you know, you go through these different emotions and different, you know, you're trying to, you overanalyze everything yeah. in these situations because you're not communicating, you know, I don't know what Phil's circumstance was, but, you know, in many cases, you're not communicating with the person you want to communicate with. Mm -hmm. So it's more about, you know, don't let him steal your heart away. You know me, yeah. you know how great we are together. And I, you know, we, we are a good team. We're a good couple. Yeah. Why are you letting this guy come in and take that away? That's definitely, I think, a legit part of processing yeah. a breakup. Well, I, I know my you know? my thoughts have been, you know, in the past for things. It's been like, how does this person not see that we were great together? Mm. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, it's like that's kind of what lyrically that's what this song is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, how how do you not see that we were great together. So don't let this guy steal your heart away. Let me steal it back, you know, and this guy is taking something that was Phil's and is now stealing it from him and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, there's, there's that idea to it also, which I get this on. It gives me all the feels as the kids say nowadays. And I'm just like, yeah, this is like this, this song does what Phil wanted it to do. As far as I'm I mean, concerned. this is a another killer top line. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, absolutely brilliant arrangement. Again, I know I sound like a broken record. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. It, it sounds like such a simple song, but there's a lot going on. Yeah. In it, I just think it's beautiful. It's a nice. <laughs> it's a good follow up to through these walls because yeah. you're probably going through like, <laughs> what am I listening to? And then you're like, okay, Phil's back. Phil's back. Okay, yeah. good. And the strings are great without being <laughs> strings over, are awesome. yeah, without being overly yeah. sappy or anything like yep. that. And it's it's one of these songs that 
You know, there's, I think there was the joke on, you know, what was it, 30 Rock, that one character says to the other, like, oh, do you like Phil Collins? And the person is like, I've got two ears and a heart. And a heart. Of course I do. <laughs> you know, and it's like, that's, this is one of those songs where it's like, yep. you, you can feel, you know, what Phil is singing here and everything. So, so even with my lyrical kind of, you know, critique of it, I still love this song. And it's, it is definitely in the top half of this album for me. And it's one of those tracks that when I listen to it, sometimes I can't listen to it because it just would hit too hard. Yeah. So. When uh, there's a line that he repeats the first time he says, I'll show you I'm right. Mm. And the second time he sings oh, it, he yeah. goes, I'll show you I'm right. You know I'm right. Mm. And that you know I'm right kills me every time. Yeah. And just give me one more chance, I'll show you. that's just him trying to say please listen to me yeah. like oh that gets me yeah <laughs> let's take a moment <laughs> compose ourselves <laughs> at some point we knew we would cry during a phil collins yes. podcast and we're all getting yes. there now i will say and stacy will hate me for this because you kind of referenced it before i kind of got a me and virgilish feel to this track Really? Kind of just in the rhythm of the drums in certain ways. Like that part, I know I'm right. That kind of ba dum, ba dum. Like it just had this kind of seesaw ish kind of rhythm to it that that just has that. It felt me and Virgil ish to an extent. Not in a, again, I kind of like me and Virgil. So I'm oh, not. I know. Yeah, I know. You're weird. I know. I know. So, <laughs> but it's, so it was a good comparison. But then I kind of thought about this entire album kind of. Parts of it had that feel to me. So if if me well, and that, Vir- those tri- this that me and Virgil is written around the same time. Yeah, yeah, a little bit yeah, earlier. So, this, yeah, yeah, so. you know, it kind of it could all yeah. bleed together. Like if yeah. if he had like he had done the cover of Behind the Lines, if he had done a cover of Me and Virgil on this song on this album, uh, yeah, it's a, I think, but I think it would have <laughs> it would have fit the mood in some ways. Interesting. So, um, anyway, that's just, you know, I, I made a note of that and I thought that it might get a groan from Stacey. I think that's so. bullshit. I think you just wanted to <laughs> yeah. plant that song in my head. Yes. Well, that too. So that's, uh, that's, that's always my master plan kidding. in general. So, um, all right. I think we could probably move over to the West side. I'm taking um, your job, Mike. Oh, I'm taking your job. Oh, right. So smooth. <laughs> we'll let it, we'll let it go from that.
Yeah, big fan of this track. No surprise if you know my radio show and my love for <laughs> instrumental music. Your radio show? What's your radio show, Stacey? What's your radio show? Oh, stop. Tell us. No, tell oh, us. Yeah. Promo. It's well, called No Words Music on progrock.com. Uh, so just instrumental tracks. I, I'm sure I've played this on a previous episode. I've been going for almost two years now. We'll have you promo it at the end also. So oh, that's, cool. yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This is my favorite track featuring the horn section, mm, which sure. I don't think we've talked about enough no. on mm. this episode yet. Absolutely brilliant. Again, another like another Phil Collins turn into a mm. a new area, a new you know soundscape here. I kinda like jazzy, I like this, yeah, I like the sax. you know R and B. Yeah, the sax yeah, here is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the horns just has such a good feel to it. Yeah. Did did the big band cover this at all? Did he do this with his big band stuff in the 90s? Oh, I actually God. don't think he did. Uh, and I'm kind of like this adding. is a perfect yeah. version that's there. Listeners out there, tell us if we if he did it. I don't I'm think pretty, he did. I think but, he did um He did do it. With the oh, big band? Okay. He didn't do it. Oh. <laughs> so now we'll find out and you edit out whichever okay. version is wrong. Right. We will <laughs> Make you sound smart. That's good. So make me sound smart. Yeah. Right. I, I again, I really like this too. I think it's this is one of those instrumentals that I'm always like, how do you, how do you write this? Like, is it just a bunch of bits you throw together that musically you don't yeah. have, or do you kind of have this theme of, oh, I like Phil has always said with his solo albums, he's like, he doesn't want people to come in with ideas. He wants people to execute what he wants them to execute. Yeah. I'm like, so did Phil have this in his head? That he's like, oh, it starts out with this kind of bum, 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 and kind of goes into this jazzy stuff. And then he's doing vocalizations at the end, which really work. Everything about this track works. And it surprised me that it faded out at the end. Like in my head, and maybe yeah. just from hearing live yeah. versions of it, I was like, oh, yeah, there's an end to this track. And so when I, listen to the studio version again i was like oh this fades out on the album i kind of forgot about that so I, this I, I put it's just solid kicks ass from beginning to end but yeah the live version kicks it up a notch especially because it does have that stuttering mm. horns at the end which does bring it to a complete stop at the end but it just and even live it has kind of like little jazz odyssey at the <laughs> end where they're doing a little bit oh, yeah. of improv and, <laughs> but when when i think it's just it might be the first time it, when it really reaches that apex that climax where like everything is going da, 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 and then it just yeah. goes into that nice little sax yeah, solo yeah. i mean that is perfection right there that's just uh, from an arranging and the way you're moving the song along it's yeah. just perfect and this is another track the bass is all just bass pedals there's no actual bass player on this and it's it's again the triumph of phil the arranger of kind of knowing how mm -hmm. to piece together whether it's a bunch of different bits or something that he had it all in his head, that this this works in such a a jazzy way that you could have seen Brand X do this, you could see the big band doing this later on. This is part of Phil that again, not it it was there on later albums, but in a little bit more of, you know, a poppy way versus a jazzy way. And yeah. and this feel to it just uh, it takes me on a little trip over to the West side whenever I hear it. 
So, it's, so Mike, to me, this is a a driving song. Totally. Ooh, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, would you would you drive at night in the rain with this yes, one? How, what What are the conditions for <laughs> this? this one? Yes, maybe a, a light snow too. A light know, snow. Yes. Ooh. No, that, this is definitely this whole album is a nighttime driving album. But but again, okay. this track specifically is another one that again, if if it came up while while I was driving somewhere, it had set a nice mood. So. Again, a, a soundtrack to a different movie of your life versus I Don't Care Anymore or some of those other yeah. ones. But this would be, you know, maybe heading home after kind of a good evening out. You kind of have this playing and you're kind of like, oh, yeah, this is this feels good, feels right. It feels like a, a good a good place to be in this thing. Again, it's another it's a track that I, I would be happy to wrap myself up in and fall asleep to. So not while driving, but I would please no. Yes. So. <laughs> Need to stay away for that. So, but uh, yeah, this is not me and Virgilish at all. As far as I'm concerned, this track, no dreaming while you sleep. No, no, not at all. So, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was overall fantastic track. And then you need a nice little closer after that. You do. So, yeah. and I think that to close, you, you kind of have to think like, why can't the close this album? Why can't it wait till morning? If you're driving at night, oh, there we go. I know I I'd see pull what you it did out. there. No, oh, there we go. This is another kind of sad fill, two ears and a heart, makes me feel in all the feels. You know, yeah. this is the kind of the plea of somebody to say, why do we, let's just put it off. Let's maybe things will change if we put it off. I think that's even kind of almost a line in the song where he says, like, you know, oh, if if we put it off, maybe you'll feel differently later on. Let's not talk about it right now. I just think he's tired. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I can't wait till morning. Yeah. Yeah. After the West Side, he's he's spent. He's exhausted. Yeah. So he's all driving. that driving. He's been driving he's all been night. Doing. Exactly. <laughs> all that driving. He's just yeah. like, I just want to sleep. He literally yeah. says yeah. that. Like, yeah. I just want to sleep. Shut I up. I just want to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Again, with a different arrangement, could be a very angry song. Like, well, why can't we wait till want... morning? Yeah, totally. This yeah. is this is a uh, Phil being his schmaltzy self mm, here yeah. this is the most schmaltzy of of the phil love songs also another one i think could fit into a musical mm -hmm. like you could hear this on stage <laughs> somewhere but it's beautiful I, I i love his the quiet ending to this whole album this whole journey we've been on i think it wraps up this tale this this narrative very well yeah, again, another part of that whole divorce breakup 
roller coaster you're on, like you're saying, Mike, you just sometimes <laughs> you're just like, I, I just like, I just don't want to think like when you're going through it, it seems to take over your whole life. Right. And there's sometimes you're just like, I just want to, can we pause? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, can we, on, on we don't need to yeah. talk about this right now. Maybe exactly. it'll change tomorrow. Or if yeah. like, it's a, if like, if we talk about it now, I might say something I regret. So, exactly. Yeah. 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 So yes. Why can't it wait till morning, Phil? I mean, it's same thing. It's a nice, calm, short mm -hmm. closer. Orchestration is great. Yeah. I just wish there were a little bit more of that mm -hmm. on, on some of the tracks. Like this one has it. I think another one has it, but he's very good at it. Like yeah. mixing the orchestra mm -hmm. and I don't know if he really does that much later in on albums. Like I feel like there was more orchestration on the first two, even though I mean they're not filled with orchestration. But yeah, you don't get. I, I can't think on later albums where there's much kind of string section, string arrangements type of. No, thing. Maybe, it's uh, only the horns. We said hello, really goodbye. Get, yeah, that was it. I think because but seriously is there's That's nothing heavy on, on the horns. Heavy yeah. on the horns, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I just thought it's it's like this track was was one that I could empathize with. That I think mm -hmm. that you do go at times like like oh do we do we need to deal with this right now? We've all had those moments in life where it's like just give me a few minutes, <laughs> or whether it's the night or whatever. It's like I just need some time to process things, and that's kind of what Phil's saying here. Like it? Yeah. Yes. All right. Cool. Good That's stuff. the album. There we go. We're done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so overall, again, this is this is my favorite Phil Solo album. And it's mm. it's one that just, you know, overall, there's there's certainly not a bad track on this album. So it's it's no. something that I would no. think that most of these songs are probably in my top half of all Phil Solo songs when I if I were to rank them all and everything, which may be a future podcast at some point you know when we're when we finish off all these albums we'll have to kind of have different things to talk about and ranking every phil song could be interesting you know so so yeah i like this how about you two what are your what are your thoughts on this you know having gotten to the end of this discussion any new enlightenments that you've had no <laughs> it's still a solid album for you no, no but i think solid. going into it yeah, it was still a solid album yeah. as and I, I agree with you mike i think it's my favorite of his solo to listen to start to finish right mm -hmm. it just has the different moods different variety of sounds from dark and brooding to anger to uh regret and loss and it just sounds fantastic just the way it was yep. recorded and and put down it's it's just a great you knew that like face value wasn't a fluke right like yeah this is a person who can write good songs mm -hmm. arrange fantastic sounding horns in just the right spots yeah it's just a fantastic album that uh, sounds crazy is over 40 years old now <laughs> and yeah. it doesn't sound like oh no. that was 1982 nope. no no it, it, it's timeless yeah absolutely i i you know, I this is a favorite along with No Jacket Required. I have mm. two favorites. I can't. You're I, allowed. There are, there are times where this. Commit. You know, I'm not going to commit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm committing to my two favorites. It's so unique. It It is It is really the sleeper. The Phil Collins. It's a sleeper album in the whole Genesis 
cannon, if you will. Mm. Um, I have one of those in the other room, a Genesis cannon that just shoots. A Genesis cannon. <laughs> Put that away, Mike. That's right. <laughs> I've so, got one in my pants. I'm sure you do. Hey, <laughs> oh. I was waiting we're, for we're, that one. This right. is this is devolving. Is it time for your pole? Quickly. I thought you had a pole yeah. in your pants, <laughs> well, not a cannon. <laughs> we, we my do. pole's right around the corner. <laughs> By the man. Yes. All right. Well, I guess we can <laughs> take that and segue into uh, Stacy as the guest here. Why don't you go now? This, here? this, I'm very curious because we all love almost all these tracks on the album. Yeah. What you guys picked for your favorites? Yes. All right. Yeah, it's tough. I always go back to "It Don't Matter to Me." Okay. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I just love the energy. It was my favorite when I first got this album and first heard it. And so I, you know, there's that nostalgia tied to it. It still sounds fresh, still gets me up and dancing. Mm -hmm. Love it. So that's what I voted for in the poll. Excellent. I will say my favorite is Do You Know, Do You Care? It's it's one that the mood of that just gets me. And, you know, it is, there's probably a couple that are close to that, but that's, Again, because I taught so much about the the weird Phil and pop Phil that I got to give weird Phil his props and say mm. that that's a song that, you know, in the epic, epicness of it just really gets me. So. so it's one for weird, one for pop. Where, right. do you go, where are you going, yeah, Tom? Is- I'm going to go for the heart string tugger. Oh. Don't let him steal your heart away. Aww. It just <laughs> it just still does it for me. This is like a good Every balance. time I listen to it, I'm just waiting for that line where he says that oh like you, you preach phil preach <laughs> oh, yes. all right yeah that's good i i think that all three of us had something different and on a different day we might all vote for each other's track you know depending yes. upon yeah, how we're feeling I and everything. Agree. so all right very cool so what all did right. our listeners yeah vote for? what did they say tom shows you his bow Coming in at last place, I think you could probably guess what it is. Ooh. Um, Through these walls? Yeah. No. Oh, no. I would guess the... No, you I Can't Hurry guess... Love? You Can't Hurry Love. Yeah. I think because it's it's a cover it's and a cover. because it's played so much on the radio mm-hmm. that, you know, yeah. I said there has to be a, lo- a last place yeah. somewhere on this list, but that got 3%. I was going to guess either it was going to be very low or very high. And it's very low. Yeah, it's very low. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I was splitting my difference. I would have been very surprised if it was like number five or something like that. So, okay. Coming in at ninth place was, I can see this. Why can't it wait till morning with only mm. 4% of the vote? Yeah. Because yeah, it's the sleeper closer and it's a good song, but it's one of those where like, I don't really can't really sing it. If say, Oh, well, how does that song go? But once it comes on the album, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is yeah. a really good song. But yeah, I, I can see why it's lower on the list. What was the percentage for that again? I just missed that. Four uh, percent. Four percent. Okay. All right. So uh, it's all of these tracks, which in the bottom five got less than ten percent. Really? So okay. Like, okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, number eight was like China. Oh, okay. Which I, th- I think for the same reasons that we said, like yeah. it's yeah. a character song mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that got five percent, and these are all now just very within each other. Number seven was it don't matter to me. Hmm. Sorry, Stacy. Uh, hey, it's all good. Six <laughs> percent of the vote. Number six place, moving up with seven percent, was through these walls. Hmm. Okay. So wow. it's interesting how the the two uh, 
the the two character songs are in the bottom five. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now we've got the top five. All right. With eight percent of the vote was "Do You Know? Do You Care?" All right. Mm-hmm. Fourth place was "The West Side." Okay. Which I could see was be in the top five. Yeah. For sure. It's 9% great. You know. Vote. Yeah. Third place. Now we're in the top three. I cannot believe it's true with ten percent. Sure. Second place was "Don't Let Him Steal Your Heart Away" with twelve percent. Okay. Wow, that was second place. Yeah. Did you I vote think... like ten times? <laughs> <laughs> and first place, which I don't think it's a surprise, with thirty-five percent of the vote wow. was "I Don't Care Anymore." Yeah, yeah. it's a classic. And you know, it's, yeah. it's 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 a classic. It's got everything you want: Phil's mm-hmm. drums, yeah. a build-up, the anger. It's just. Yeah, I can see why it's number one yeah. for, for fans. Yeah. But again, that this whole kind of the ranking and the voting there, it just shows how diverse this is that, you know, that I don't care anymore is number one and don't let them steal your heart away is number two. Two very yeah. different songs from each yeah. other. And I'm sure that, you know, again, there was the the kind of comment about ranked choice voting there and everything where I think most people would say, oh, yeah, my, my number one is this. But my number two is that, which is probably very different in tone. They're, they can be very different in tone from each other for this album. Yeah, I, it's hard to vote on that. And like I, I would say most of the Genesis and Soul album catalog, because it's just so much variation yeah. between the tracks. Depends on what mood you're in. It depends on, you know, when you last heard it. There's so many things that kind of go into it because... Yeah. Yeah, they're just so there's such difference between them. Yeah. I've thought about doing one of those trying to set up one of those kind of March Madness type of polls, the brackets for Genesis songs, <laughs> and maybe th- maybe with solo songs in there and kind of like have like two songs go head to head and then they kind of move the one winner moves forward to the next head to head. I always yeah. thought we you guys would do that with all all the uh favorites. So yeah. the number ones mm. from each poll. Yeah. You can kind of have them I go think, against I think each we other. Have a sh- that, doesn't, that doesn't involve, ah. yeah. <laughs> Although that does involve research to go back to the polls and hearing <laughs> what, what we Tom all said. So, yes. So, no, no, uh, just with the listeners. Oh, oh, I get, oh, I hear what you're one. saying. Not from yeah, us. Sure. Nobody cares what we think. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that's so that was this album. I think that, you know, again, in a, in a, in a career of solo highlights, this is, whether whether Phil remembers it fondly or not, <laughs> this is something that he should be very proud of. Absolutely. And an album that has definitely kind of stood the test of time. Like, and you know, I am not a a fan of those kind of concert tours where where a band plays an album, but if Phil were to say, I'm doing a show where I play all of Hello I Must Be Going, I'd be like, Where's my ticket? Where where do I yeah. need to get this now? So and I don't know if there's many shows like that that would make me do that so that's this is a tribute to the power of this album i would go to that show if he didn't bring out the robe and lingerie <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you, you, sign you, me up that could be your bathroom break song that's that could the, be yeah, yeah that's 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 true right make sure <laughs> I, you're there and, for the ending of it I look. I look this up and as, as this is the only place where i can be this nerdy uh just the phil bearing all and it comes down to and this is so nerdy so i apologize up front using i you or me Mm. in the title of a song okay up until this point genesis had only done that five times follow you follow me Mm -hmm. me and sarah jane 
I know what I like in your wardrobe. Am I very wrong? And your own special way. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really about bringing yourself into the song or saying you this or me that. And this album has six songs (laughs) off the bat, which have I, you, or me in it. So it was a whole new way of writing songs that I think for him was an outlet to say, you know, in Genesis, we're writing about something, Mm -hmm. about this uh, creature or even in, even in like, it wasn't really, even the love songs didn't open door or Mm -hmm. some of these other songs didn't really bring you or me into it. Whereas he just lays it all down here in Mm -hmm. in six different tracks. Genesis is a little more heady and, and feels a little more hearty if uh kind of coming from the heart with that so yeah which is fine you know and phil definitely has that heady aspect to him too you know Mm -hmm. that's why the band works and you know there's and 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 tony is very heady but again writes some very romantic lyrics too so you know if you're kind of looking at them as the uh polar opposites but because those opposites attract with each other so that's why it works Mm -hmm. cool Speaking of, we're going to be covering Paul Abdul in the next uh, next <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So, but the but yeah. So this is great album, listeners. We're glad you came along with it us on this voyage. Stacy, tell us about your show. Your pro, your uh, no words music. Yeah, you mentioned so it a little before, but we'll. I did. I did. I snuck in a little plug there. That's right. Um, so now I'm going to be quite overt about it. So I, yeah, I have a show every Thursday, uh, the first and third Thursday of every month, mm-hmm. starting at 5.30 p.m. Central, 6.30 Eastern time. I play about 60 to 90 mu- minutes of instrumental music. It's called No Words Music. And then it's uh, recorded as a podcast. So you can go back to progrock.com and listen to past episodes. And I think it's also on iTunes on the progrock.com podcast. And I usually uh, pick a theme uh, for every show. So it'll be around a genre of music, maybe feature an artist, feature, you know, a certain time period. I'm doing my next show, which is this coming Thursday just all songs that start with the letter d <laughs> like <laughs> sometimes that's you know just you sometimes just find the theme, my you themes know? are more creative than others uh mm-hmm. but it's great i i use the show as a way to discover new music so oh. i do i'll go just i'll just find songs that start with the letter d and see what what comes up and it's fantastic so it, it, it pushes me to go beyond my comfort zones mm-hmm. in music and i hope it does for the listener too it's it's on a prog rock station but i definitely hit all genres Mm -hmm. of music um if it's instrumental that's the only uh qualification so uh -hmm. yeah if if you want to check it out like i said it's on progrock.com i also there's a no words music facebook page instagram twitter i'm on all those socials so uh yeah hit me up there very cool I, i like how you can actually chat during the show yes you can Like in a chat room you can as you're listening, you can write your comments and reactions and you're replying to people yeah. and it's like it's like a party. 
So it's all yeah. We're, we're all ch- I'm online uh, during the broadcast. Yeah, so you can tell me what how shit it is if you like. Uh, <laughs> write to me directly. <laughs> I I hope people are kinder to you during the show than I hope so too. Suit. But hey, it's you know I, I love to hear what you have to say. I love suggestions. I love getting you know theme ideas or if you want me to play a particular track, I'm open to it. I I've listened once at some point. I need to listen more. I need to yeah, support friends. I know, I know. So, and I just remember there being a lot of comments saying like, "Oh, you should play more Rush," <laughs> and it's just like, "Oh, well, it is a prod rock channel." So yeah, I guess yeah. There, I, I have played plenty of Rush. There's still yeah. more Rush to come. Um, mm. you know, I'm a huge fan myself personally. So, mm. but like I said, I play all genres. Um, that's yeah. what. That's why the themes are fun. Yeah. Um, because it gives me some liberty to kind of stretch out. I did one last month that it was so much fun but i think my listeners freaked out it was all about 8-bit video game music oh sure so <laughs> i did a lot of chiptune video game music and then genre like the japanese music from okay. the time that influenced hmm. that music okay. and yeah that was probably one of my more out there shows but then i do <laughs> you know more prog theme shows yeah, as well that's fine yeah. so yeah you know it's it's it's, it's good fun. to have a diversity in there so. yes exactly very cool that's what that. i think excellent well listeners you'll have tom and i coming back with on our own and with guests in the future we're trying to uh do a podcast when each of the new peter gabriel tracks gets released and i think there'll be a full moon coming up soon nice. where we'll have Very to talk soon, about yes. whatever oh, yes. the next track is and everything and so you know come along with that ride for us and actually somebody had an idea that you know when the new album actually comes out we should do like an instant reaction kind of like our first first listen and then record a podcast about it or something even if it's a short one yeah to kind of do that and so maybe we'll do something like that we we haven't done it with I don't want to say we don't, we rarely have new music, but you know, Steve Hackett puts out new music all the time and you know, there, there's different things like that. So we are, we are giving Peter Gabriel a bit of pride of place because it's Peter Gabriel and it's been so long since he had an album come out, which is, I think one of the reasons why we're kind of giving special focus to, to Peter at this point. So Mm -hmm. we'll continue. We'll also have a, yeah, we'll also have uh, as everyone knows, the BBC set coming out and, We'll probably oh, right. take a little bit, a bit of time to digest that. Yeah, it's a big <laughs> so we can so. so we can really talk about it. So maybe towards the end of March, we'll be yeah Once getting together and comparing notes on that one. Exactly. So, so again, well, this is Mike. This is Tom. This is Stacy. And we will see you next time on Tabletop Genesis.
For listening to this episode of Tabletop Genesis. Archived episodes can be found at tabletopgenesis.com, along with updates, polls, and various other podcast-related news. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes to have the shows automatically downloaded to your computer when we post new episodes. To keep up with all the Tabletop Genesis activity, follow us on Twitter at Genesis Tabletop. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Tabletop Genesis, and you can email us directly at genesistabletop at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the podcast or send us questions we can address on future episodes. really think I can get any closer without no you're perfect kissing the mic
<laughs> you we'll are good. Ki- so. We'll do kissing the mic later on, Mike. Well, you know, we, we plan for these things. So, so let so, me go well, first, at least. That's right. <laughs> I, I have a list. So, the, um... but seriously, is that a, is that an album you'd like to talk about, Stacy? At some point, yeah, or, yeah. It's it's one that I I remember liking a lot when it came out, but mm-hmm. I don't. But I haven't really listened to it all the way through in a long time. So I'd be. It's been a while. It is. To me, I mean, I know we're we're off topic. Save here, it but for it's, the podcast. All right, I'm just, all right, <laughs> no, just you know. to say your say your line. It's one. No, night. just yes, to say it's it's probably his most. It's like overproduced sometimes. Like sure. to me, it's out. It's like a Peter Gabriel album where it's hmm. like way too much production. It's it's a little too slick, I guess, compared yeah. to his earlier albums. But then again, you know, you think about when it came out and the time between all of his albums. Mm you know, it's forgivable. Um, it's still amazing. Like he's still an amazing songwriter and performer yeah. and singer and drummer and all that good stuff, arranger, all the good things he does, but it's one that, yeah, it, it, it's the sound of it that detra- if there's any detractor on that for me, right. meaning going back to it as much as I do as other ones. Right. Okay. No, it's just so. something I was thinking, it just popped into my head about that, that, you know, that that's an album that I feel like, probably could have had had benefited from a couple one or two songs like this on this yeah that were a bit more stripped back that were a bit more kind of you know piano and strings and could have been could have lightened i was not say lighten the mood but that's not really the right way to put well, it wait a, what was a, made it a little less dense maybe what was uh separate lives yeah, but that was just that a came, single. That was no, I know that a, was oh, part yeah. of a soundtrack, but yeah. does that have that was from the same period? As yeah, like, mid that was like more no jacket required ish. Oh, I thought that was period. later. Just that before been a, yeah. no jacket, I think okay. like eighty four ish maybe. So. Oh, I thought that was later. I would have guessed like eighty five, uh, eighty six, but that's yeah. again Phil in the eighties was again it's so all. omnipresent. <laughs> I know. And he didn't write that one though, too. Right, that was he didn't. Cover. Or was not a Stephen Bishop, wasn't it? Yeah, Stephen Bishop there. So. All right, let's cut this out. Right, so <laughs> I, I like the, right. the, 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 the we have segues. So. Everything from but seriously to now, we'll to just now. cut it out. Yeah, right. Oh, well, we'll see. Um, 